Today's read, Meditations Across the King's River, African-inspired wisdom for life's journey, written by James Weeks. Chapter 9, Basking in Maroon Country. If you listen to your spirit every day, you will gain momentum. If you insist on being yourself every day, you will gain momentum. If you stick with your plan every day, you will gain momentum. If you help someone every day, you will gain momentum. The narrow, winding path up the mountains leading to Nanny Bay in Jamaica was not made for hikers, so don't expect it to be easy. It was made for maroons waging guerrilla warfare against British slave masters. That's what Aaron tells me. He's a short, dark-skinned, 20-something-year-old Jamaican with broad shoulders, a tiny waist, and muscular arms. Aaron is a descendant of the Maroons. Like those who came before him, he's a warrior, too, fighting to keep ancient ways alive. Even as a baby, he knew this was his destiny and happily embraces it. Not everyone in Jamaica speaks Romanti, a language on the verge of extinction spoken among Maroons, but Aaron does. The roots of Romanti can be traced back to the tree language family of Ghana. The Jamaican Maroons were former captives who escaped and created their own communities, often in the rugged, mountainous regions of the island. There are two major groups of Maroon descendants here, the Leeward Maroons and the Windward Maroons. I'm in the town of Portland, among the Windward Maroons, who live on some 1,500 acres of ancestral communal land which can't be sold. Furthermore, they pay no taxes to the Jamaican government. If you want to describe Jamaican Maroon culture in one word, Perhaps the best word might be defiance. Centuries and centuries of defiance. If you want to follow our way of life, that's fine, but we will not follow yours, Aaron tells me proudly. We are leaders, not followers. I love what he says and how he boldly says it. No hesitation, no apology. I ask for permission to record his words on my phone. I want to play them over and over again. But not everything in Maroon Country is meant to be recorded, I'm told. And one more bit of advice. Don't expect an answer just because you ask a question. To keep one's culture alive, some things must remain shrouded in mystery. This is the Maroon way. Surely, every real warrior knows this. One can't afford to be lax when so much is at stake, when there is so much trouble brewing on the horizon.
any traveler can find Kentucky Fried Chicken and other fast food franchises in other parts of Jamaica, but you won't find them in Maroon Country, Aaron points out. They intend to keep it that way for as long as they can. An image of Starbucks pops in my head, and I wonder how long they'll be able to resist iced mochas, frosty frappuccinos, and the onslaught of American culture that seeks to encroach every square inch of our planet. I purchase a gift from Aaron. It's called an abang, and it's fashioned from the horn of a cow. It's light gray and beautiful. I later discover the word abang comes from the tree language. It means horn. Aaron describes the abang as the first telephone because Maroons used it to send messages to each other over long distances. He blows it to demonstrate how it sounds. After pouring a libation to the ancestors and uttering a few prayers in Cromanti, Aaron leads a small group of us to the Nanny Bay Waterfalls. It's a strenuous 40-minute hike in the hot sun, but it's worth the effort. I marvel at the beauty as we immerse ourselves in pools of cool water that are constantly replenished by water crashing down from the mountains. This is therapy for mind, body, and spirit. My feet still ache from the hike, but I am savoring each moment. There are other maroon sites, but there's not enough time to see them on this trip. I am blessed, however, because one of my most profound experiences in Jamaica is hours away. All morning, all morning long, I've heard countless stories about the legendary Queen Nanny. She is one of Jamaica's national heroes, but it's hard to know where fact ends and fiction begins. Not only was she a brilliant, uncompromising 18th century maroon warrior who led her people in the bloody wars against the British, legend says she was also an Obia woman or a traditional African herbalist with mystical powers. From what I'm hearing, there was no end to her spiritual gifts or prowess on the battlefield. There was no foe she could not outsmart or defeat. Queen Nanny was born in Ghana and came to Jamaica as a child. Centuries later, her descendants still speak of her in the present tense. It's as though she's right around the corner listening and can materialize out of thin air at any time. I'm in Jamaica because Roxanne, a client, sent for me to conduct a spiritual ceremony for her. When I learned she's from St. Anne's, the same town Bob Marley comes from, I knew I had to bring my guitar. It's what my brother Gene would have wanted. Like Bob, he was a reggae musician. Unlike Bob, he was a man of few words. Like Bob, he was cut down too soon. Gene died on stage in North Carolina, surrounded by his bandmates in the group One Tribe, playing the music he loved. He was 38 years old. Gene Weeks was a gifted musician. 
musician who played several instruments. When I decided to learn guitar in my early 20s, he sat me down in our living room on St. Croix and taught me the chords for Bob Marley's song, Revolution. Let righteousness cover the earth like the waters cover the sea, sang Bob. It was the first song I ever learned. I'll never forget it. And that's what I wanted to play as a tribute for Jean when I got to Jamaica. My brother was diagnosed with lupus in his early 20s and had one health complication after another. Kidney failure, heart problems, skin problems. Although Jean was often in great pain, it never kept him from playing music. Bob was right. When you dance, you feel no pain. As I lie on my back next to Roxanne at the Marley Museum, located a mere five minutes from her house, I can't stop thinking about Jean and Bob's legacy. Roxanne was in deep thought, too. Your brother couldn't come to Jamaica when he was alive, she said, but he's here with us in spirit now. Roxanne Little, 42, is a healer an iridologist she's also a farmer a country girl she says every day she or one of her two sons Malik 20 or Amir 25 builds a cozy outdoor fire near the front door of her house we sit around drinking tea or cooking one day I helped pluck a chicken and watched as Roxanne gathered twigs and pieces of wood for the fire I watched hungrily as she seasoned the chicken, cut up onions and green peppers, and put it into the sizzling pot over the hot coals. We ate it with dumplings. This is what Roxanne loves about being home. Can't make outdoor fires every day in the States, she says. She lives in Connecticut, but feels so isolated there. It's depressing. She wants to move back home. As we lay on the grass one afternoon with our heads less than two feet away from Marley's burial spot, Roxanne looks in my eyes and gives me a bit of advice from an iridologist's point of view. You should work on lowering your cholesterol, she said. It's high. Roxanne is good at what she does. It's her job to know what our eyes have to say about our health. Apparently, she knows what the soul has to say, too. She believes we know each other from a previous lifetime. My children know you, she said. And maybe she's right. Yaya, her six-year-old daughter, climbed on my back as we sat around the fire one afternoon and seemed content to stay there until something better came along. I'm welcome here anytime, Roxanne says. She's building a beautiful two-story house out of stone and wants to show me the room I'll be staying in during my next visit. It's not finished yet. Her house sits high on a hill and provides a sweeping view of St. Anne's. From this vantage point, I can see the Marley Museum. Roxanne owns 25 acres of land and dreams of transforming it into a vast organic farm and international healing center that she wants me to be a part of. We can do spiritual and healing retreats here in the future, she says. I love our connection. In under two weeks, Roxanne has gone from being a client 
to being a friend, and now she's a potential business partner. Late one afternoon, Roxanne took me to meet an amazing 82-year-old healer in Maroon Country. There was a long line to see her. Although Roxanne set the appointment for 5.30, we were still waiting to be seen when 10 p.m. rolled around. Finally, the healer called me into her tiny workroom. Remove your shirt, she told me. After rubbing her hands with olive oil and lime juice, she placed her hands on my right side. And after a few minutes of touching and groping, removed two small chains from my right torso. Then I watched in astonishment as she removed a stone and two nails from my stomach. Finally, the healer said, remove your pants. She examined my groin and removed one small nail from each testicle. Someone did witchcraft here, she said. I wasn't the only one who had spiritual surgery. Roxanne brought ten of us, and the healer removed objects from everyone. A spark plug from the head of Roxanne's son, tobacco from the chest of a white couple visiting from the U.S., a padlock from the right foot of Suds, the construction worker helping to build Roxanne's house, the sound of metal and stone objects clanging in a nearby garbage bin rang out repeatedly throughout the evening. The healer wasn't born with this rare ability. She had always been a deeply spiritual woman, however, and people always felt better after she laid her hands on them. One day, she heard a voice instructing her to lay her hands on a patient. Then the voice told her where to place her hands and how to remove the hidden objects from her clients. She was terrified the first time it happened and ran out of the church. Eventually, as she witnessed the healing and relief it brought others, she became comfortable with her gift. Roxanne's first experience with the healer happened several years ago. At the time, she was having excruciating migraines. Doctors in the U.S. discovered a brain tumor and said they would have to operate to remove it. Instead, Roxanne flew home to Jamaica and visited the healer who removed a three-inch nail from her skull. When Roxanne returned to the U.S., doctors could no longer detect the tumor and said her body must have healed itself. The most amazing story I've heard so far was when a pregnant woman consulted this healer because she had been carrying the baby around for more than nine months and was unable to go into labor. The healer placed her hands on the woman's belly and removed a live fish. The creature actually flopped around on the ground. Soon after, the woman gave birth to a healthy child. How is this even possible? How could a live fish be inside a pregnant woman's belly? How many of us are walking around with nails in our backs, padlocks on our feet, spark plugs in our heads, or keys in our knees? How did they get there, or who put them there? In my case, the healer said I'd been the target of a spiritual attack. I don't doubt this. Spiritual attacks are common in the material world, 
but I doubt all her patients are the victims of such attacks. Could it be that some of these objects come from the negativity or envy of others or from our own fears or negative thoughts? I don't know. And the healer was way too busy to entertain any questions. My experience has taught me there are dimensions to healing that science may never understand. And while science can't explain the miracle I experienced, there are many things we can all do to improve our physical, mental, and spiritual health. Letting go of anger, guilt, blame, negativity, fear, and toxic relationships are steps in the right direction. We all have a role to play in our own healing. I can't reveal everything I experienced in the healer's room. It's a bit personal. Besides, this is maroon country and some things must remain a secret as Aaron said. I'm looking forward to returning to Jamaica. Roxanne is busy building cottages where the retreats will be held. Her vision is getting clearer. The name of her budding enterprise to be built here on the land of Bob Marley's birth is Natural Mystic Organic Farm and Grassroots Healing Center. So many of us are in need of healing. Marley was right. We don't need no more trouble. 